Deuteronomy 8.2 in the series called Better Days, Deuteronomy 8.2 has been our key scripture. Let me read it for us. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, what you would keep his commands. Sometimes when we're waiting, like when we're waiting and we feel like we're in the middle of a trial, a test, a new season, we talked about this last time, out of our comfort zone. I don't know how many people came in here this morning that are saying, hey, I'm not in my comfort zone right now. I'm not where I want to be. I believe with all my heart, it's so that God can humble us and test us and reveal what's for us to know what's in our heart. Like that's what trials are for. God knows what's in your heart already, right? Humans, we're very bad at judging what's in each other's hearts. Like we're terrible at it. That's why God says, that's my job. That's not your job. We're terrible at judging each other's hearts because we often get it wrong. I'm a choleric person, and even, even Jones holds me accountable, and Damon Hargaze. If you want to know who in the church, the two have permission to hold me accountable, these two guys, like, and here lately, there's a couple of new guys, Steve Sharon, and I won't mention the other guy's name because he said he'd kill me if I did. <laughs> but these guys hold me accountable, and they're the ones that say, Larry, you need to humble yourself in this. Like, you need to submit to what the Lord's doing in this and trust what he's doing. And oftentimes, I'll go through, like, the the anger curve, and I'll spike, and I'll say, but here's how I really feel about this. But at the end of that conversation, I'll say what? I trust what God's doing, and I trust you guys. Let me read this again. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. He's talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So just refresh your hope starts in the wilderness. This message became so obvious to me. I had to work my way through a waterfall on the backside of Old Woman Mountain. I was tired for good reason. We came off of a family camp weekend at Woody Island. But I was, I was needing to like spend time alone with God. I'm like, God, I need to hear you. I need to know what you want us to do in this next season. As our church begins to come back together, like I need a clear word for what our next step is. It was obvious I had a friend call me and remind me of this scripture, but also remind me in this season, and I think this is for every one of us, what we're seeing on the news, this COVID thing that we're still in, hopefully coming out of, or trials that you might be personally going through, each person in this room, attesting, we could choose to be bitter, right? Choose to stay bitter. So this is the part where we get to check our heart. Or we could choose to believe that there is a better day here to get better. And so I think that's, that's what this message is all about. Hope starts in the wilderness. And I reminded us we're going to start with praise. We're going to stand firm in praise, even in the trial. As 1 Peter 3.9 tells us, that's because it reveals our worth is more than gold. That's what God says for us. Let me read this. 1 Peter 3, 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Now, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. I've seen, I've seen this in us. I've seen this in our community lately. I see this in some of you. Let me keep going. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, these trials have come to prove the genuineness of your faith, that their greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Better days. That's what we're talking about. And then this last part is where we'll dig in a little bit today. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are receiving the end result of our faith. Like that's what this is all about. That's what it's all about, like the end result. You know, I, I started talking about worship this morning, how we're, we're at, on this brand new, we're at the starting point, right? My mind, the way it works is I'm, I'm looking a year or five years ahead at things. That's just, I don't know why, but that's where my brain goes when I start to think about things. When I read this scripture, that's what I see. God is more concerned about the end result of our faith. He's more concerned about how we finish the race, Right? It's like oftentimes we're so focused on how we start the, start the race and how we're doing right now. And he's like, no, I'm looking at the end. Because here's what's cool, and we talked about it a couple weeks. He's omnipresent. He's already there. He's already there. He's here with us now, and he's also somehow in our past. Like, he's already there, and that blows our human minds because we can't really comprehend that. Like, he knows what's going to happen in the election in November. Like, he's... And I have pastor friends, like I told you, feel, I'm having to like block my pastor friends now on, on uh, social media because they're filling up my inbox. I'm like, please don't send me any more stuff, your end time predictions and what's going to happen in November and all of that. But they, I mean, the good news is they're praying. How many of you guys saw the, the national prayer at the, at the uh, monument this last, this last, I think it was yesterday? Like thousands of people showed up to pray for our country. Like, be encouraged. There are men and women of God who have stepped forward and say, you know what, we're not going to fix any of this by fighting. We're not going to fix any of this by grabbing another gun. Like, we're not going to fix any of this by shouting more at one another. Like, we're going to fix this because we pray. I was encouraged by seeing that. I almost shared it um, on social media this morning, and I thought, no, Larry, don't, don't share any more this week on social media. You've, you've, like, you've hit your quota, Right? We are receiving the end result of our faith. So here's the truth. Our life is spent for the most part waiting on things, like waiting on people. If you're like me, God has put like a certain dream or vision in your heart, whether it be for your family or for your kids or for your church or for your community. He puts a dream and a vision in our hearts. And then we, we super fixate on that. And we're like, God, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for that thing to happen, like now, right? Like, I'm ready for that. And that's cool, and that's okay. But let's not get, let's not get distracted by the waiting 
let's not get like discouraged waiting for whatever that thing is that God put in your heart. He put it there. And this will help maybe. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, and this is by King Solomon, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. So I don't know if you guys have read any of the Psalms or any of the Proverbs or uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes especially and got to know King Solomon, the dude who had everything. Who knows that one? Literally everything. I mean, anything you could ever have or want, he had it. And in the end, he gives us the scripture because why? Because he, he, it was all for nothing, right? A man that was a man that was after God that had his favor, like he, he gave it all up. He like he almost lost his faith. Like he gave himself over to all these things. And kept himself from God. He missed the point in the end. Like he became discouraged. He said things what like life is but a vapor. Let me say this again. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. So better days. So here's, here's the secret about a better day. Am I living with grace today? Like am I living with love today? I had another good friend reach out this morning. His son just joined the Coast Guard, and I think they're anticipating his son being here one day, right? So he's, he's like, hey, what do you think? Should we get up there for, for the Man Camp Alaska, which is what a lot, a lot of the guys in Texas like to do because they've been there before. I said, y'all get up here. That's November 6th through 8th, by the way. We're going to take over Woody Island. They said, y'all get up here. He is so excited for his son, and he's just beginning. But then the last line of his encouragement, and this, this guy is good for this, in my Facebook message box, he says, Larry, sometimes it's better to lead in love than with a two-by-four. And I said, you know me all too well, because I, I have a two-by-four in my back pocket. Who's like that? Like, who leads? Who thinks the most loving thing to do is tell somebody the truth and just have the, com- have the conversation? Like, get through the conflict. That's me. And I'm learning like, Larry, sometimes, especially in these last days, that may not be what's needed. Maybe it's time to sit down the two-by-four. and say, just be loving. Just be gracious. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Maybe we can start focusing on the end. But waiting, here's, here's the truth, and it's a part of it. Waiting is a part of God's plan. Waiting is a part of God's plan. The better days aren't tomorrow, by the way. The better days are today and being thankful for what God is doing today in the waiting. Like I think Jesus came to say, hey, I came here today for you. I came here today to show you there is a better way. So waiting is a part of God's plan. Joseph waited three years. For those of you who grew up in the Bible and know the stories, Joseph waited three years in prison before God vindicated him and had him released. Three years. Moses waited, catch this, 80 years before God used him to lead Israel from bondage. 80 years. David waited from the time he was a teenager until he was in his 30s to be appointed as king. Like, these guys are waiting. 
if you read their story, it is amazing the testimony that they have when they say, all right, God, I trust you. Like even Moses, like he wasn't ready in the beginning, right? He stuttered. He couldn't speak aloud. Like that, that's my story. <laughs> like even Myra would poke fun at me like 10 years ago and said, you really botched that one. And it was like a kid's camp thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I did. And I was sweating and it was embarrassing. I'm like, I don't know what happened. I just couldn't speak. Talking to a friend here lately that may be called in the ministry. This is, I prefer not to be in front of people. I'm like, you know what's cool? When you just trust God with it, He'll direct your steps. He'll direct your steps. Just wait. When we wait, here's what happens when we wait. It reveals what, what that first scripture was saying. It reveals what's really in our heart. It reveals what is in our heart. And it, it starts to reveal, God, am I trusting you? Or am I, really, am I really trying to control this thing so that it'll work out the way I want it to work out? Who's guilty of that? Like, cause, I mean, we are Western, American, independent. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done, right? If, if no one else is going to do it, like, it's going to be me. And I think sometimes God's like, no, no, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just saying trust me and just wait on me. It reveals our desires, the waiting. The waiting reveals our motivations. It reveals whether we're doing this out of selflessness or oftentimes in human nature, selfishness. It clarifies who we are, the waiting does. The waiting often clarifies who we are and why we do what we do, our motives. So when we wait, we could do it a little bit differently. We could say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm releasing this thing to you that I'm waiting for. Our, like our country, like who's going to be president in November? Are we going to have peace in our cities again? Are we truly going to have racial reconciliation where everyone's loved? Like I don't know what it is that you're waiting for. Some of, the, some of the couples that I met with this week, they're waiting for peace in their homes and financial stability. It's real. It's like, talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, I don't, your world doesn't get rocked until you're, at, like, you're just back in survival mode. You're like, we're trying not to kill each other right now. We're just trying to pay our bills right now. And guys, that's 50% of our community. It's much like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like, we... Men and women of God, of Jesus, we are supposed to be hope dealers. Like, we're supposed to be standing on every street corner. Like, what if we had a geography battle with the drug dealers in our city, and we fought them at every corner and said, no, this is my corner. Like, I'm, I'm dealing hope at this corner. You can go to the, you can go to the other corner. Like, I, there's 50% of our city that needs us to say, God loves you. There is a better way. One of the favorite quotes this week, Richard Hendricks, I found about the waiting. It says this, second only to suffering, waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, and genuine spirituality most of us ever encounter. Let me read that one more time, and, and I'll tell you why I think it's true. Second to only to suffering, 
Waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, and genuine spirituality most of us ever encounter. Because what does waiting do? Waiting literally makes us get over ourselves. Waiting literally makes us go, all right, I never really had control of that anyway, right? Like, repeat after me, okay? So everybody, everybody look up here for one second. If you trust me, just I know it's weird, and we don't do stuff like this in church very often, but repeat after me. I resign as CEO of the universe. Like, it's literally, it's that easy. Like, the, the day we, we decide, like, I am not in control, and I resign as CEO of the universe, God's like, cool. Now we can start to do real stuff together. <laughs> like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to resign. It's the opposite of what we're taught in America, guys. I promise it's the biggest lesson we may ever learn. We're not really in charge. We're here to serve. And if you think about every moment where you're fighting and there's grief and there's turmoil, think about what's happening in our cities. It's about the myth of who's in charge. Who gets to make the rules? It's counterintuitive to say, if we really want to have better days today in Portland, like better days today in Seattle, and now it's in Wisconsin, if we want to have better days today in America again, in our church, even in our community, in our homes, in our marriages, it's to say, I'm not CEO. I never was. Like God is. And I trust what's in his word. I trust what he's doing. And God, I forgive me for thinking that I was in charge. <laughs> forgive me for not living with grace and love and thinking that I had to control this thing. Let me keep going. While we wait in the trial, let's give God praise. Like, and I know that sounds super churchy for those of you who maybe just stepped through the doors for the first time in forever. All that really means is just, just be thankful. And say, God, like, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. And then here's the tough, here's the test. And I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in my heart, even though it's painful. Like, I thank you what, what I see you doing in other people's hearts and lives, even though it might be painful. But I trust you and I thank you. So often we're ready for the trial to be over. Like, who's ready for this whole COVID thing to be over? Like, I'm waiting for, like, a, a new flag to be raised on our flagpoles that says COVID is over. Like, I mean, I'm like, what? Let's, let's make this flag. If that's what we're waiting on, let's make the flag and raise it. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, like, asking God, like, please, like, let's have a definitive clear line that says this is over. I know I'm not alone in that. But no matter how you feel, this is marriage counseling. If, if you want to meet for marriage counseling, let me just tell you this first, and maybe it'll save us some time. Feelings follow actions. So while we're waiting, while we're hoping for something new, feelings follow actions, meaning we can't trust our feelings a lot of times. I don't know if you're still in love with Christ and following Him, and He's first in your life. I don't know if you've allowed yourself to get distracted and say, God, I, I, I'm so tired of all this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm done with church, and I'm done with following you because I don't have those feelings anymore. 
or maybe in our marriages, like, I don't love that person anymore. They're driving me crazy. And I'll start asking things like, when's the last time you had a date? When's the last time you bought flowers for your spouse? Like, when's the last time you wrote a letter? Actions, right? And then the feelings will come. Feelings follow actions. The same is true with waiting on God, waiting on Christ to return, waiting to believe that, God, I know you're going to fix this. I know you're going to wrap things all up because you promised us. It's in his word. There will be a better day where there's no more grief, no more tears. It will be an eternity, but I believe we can have heaven on earth now. While you wait in the trial, give God praise. So is God speaking to you? And what's he saying? If God is speaking to you, what is, what is he saying? He's speaking to each of us about the things that we're chasing today. He's speaking to each of us saying, hey, like, I just want you to praise me and trust me. Get your eyes off of that thing that's distracting you. Like, get your eyes off of that person, right, that's driving you crazy. Sometimes it's our kids, for those of us with small kids in the house, right? Sometimes it's our parents, for those of us that still have parents that meddle in our lives. Like, get your eyes off of those people. Sometimes it's that person in the workplace. Let me read this. This will be the finish line. It's how to do this, how to wait with grace and love. Sir Paul Reeves says, God, grant me to be silent before you, that I may hear you and rest in you, that you may work in me, open to you, that you may enter empty before you, that you may fill me. My, my prayer often is, God, fill my thoughts with your thoughts. Like, give me your word and not mine. Even this morning again, like I sit at my desk in the mornings on Sundays, and I say the Lord's Prayer, and I have to get on my knees, and I say, God, please empty me of all this stuff that, I've allowed to to absorb into me this week that's not you. Like, let your word be true in my life and consuming my thoughts and my hearts. Speak to your people how you want to speak to them. James 3, 9 through 12 says it this way. He's talking about our words and our actions and our thoughts, and we're, we're close to the finish line. It says, in verse 9, it says, With the tongue we bless our Lord our Father, right? And with it, we also curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree grow olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The reason why I think that's so relevant today is when we're waiting, So this is how you know that you're walking with God, that you have the Holy Spirit fully turned up within you. When we're waiting in the middle of a trial, and if we catch ourselves complaining about stuff or complaining about someone or bitter, it's like God's saying, okay, so you're either praising me or you're complaining. And I'm just saying you're not going to, you can't do both. He's trying to say, hey, I want you to give me all of yourself, your thoughts. Like if we're complaining about something, guess what it normally means? It means I need to turn that thing over to God. 
so that he can have my full praise and attention again, so that what, what I started off with, so that I can live with grace and love again. And I don't get it right every day, guys. I do not get it right every day, but I strive for this. In order to make the best of today, I have to stop complaining, and I have to start listening, because God is speaking. He's speaking, and it's not, it's not just through me. I'm not talking from me to you guys. I'm talking to us. Through his word, through prayer, through brothers and sisters who love you and love the Lord and want to hold you accountable and encourage you. I can't give away any of the details, but I meet with several guys during the week around, around campfires. Pretty soon we're going to start meeting in homes together, men and women. And I encourage you guys, when you get into these home groups, please do. It is amazing. Even if you don't want to, even if it feels uncomfortable, like just try it. Just do it. And then I'm praying for something a little deeper. I'm praying for the men in those groups to just grab coffee every other week or go sit by a campfire and get real with one another. Same thing with the women. And it's not meant to be super churchy and in church seven days a week. Like I, I'm, I promise it's not about that. It's about relationship. It's about being able to remind each other to live, walk with Christ, to live with grace and love, and to encourage one another. In order to make the best of today, I must stop complaining and start listening. God is speaking. Be still and just ask God to speak to you. I think when we're still, He speaks to us. He tells us what our next steps are. And he says, hey, those things are so focused on, like, just give that thing to me. Like, give it to me. Even if you have to do it every day. Like, who's with me in that? I sometimes have to give the same thing to God every single day and go, God, again, I give this to you. I trust you with that. And that's okay. That's a part of it. Let me keep going. I'll get to the finish line. First Peter 1, 6-7 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice now for a little while, this is just a refresher again in our main scripture for this series. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Matthew 6.34 says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Like, each day has plenty for us to worry about. And as it hits, just, get, just say, God, I trust you with this too. Like, I trust you with this too. James 4, 14 through 15 says, Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears even for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If this is the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. So here's the truth. A lot of us, and I did it for 10 years, a lot of us says, tomorrow I'll start. Right? Like tomorrow I'll, and I use this with Myra a lot, so yeah, tomorrow I'll stain the deck or tomorrow I'll get the kayaks cleaned up, you know, on the back before the winter hits and and she's a today, like a right now person, by the way, like even more than I am. But a lot of it's like I put seminary off for 10 years. 
10 years ago, God started saying, I, I, and I felt this, I don't hear, I don't hear him audibly, by the way, like it, but he put this impression in my heart, like, Larry, I, this is your next step. And I didn't know why. I was a web developer, software, front-end designer. I also, you know, was working in the church, but I was doing both, and he was saying, no, I, it's time to search seminary. And I kept saying, well, tomorrow. And I kept praying, like, God, what's your will? Do I go this way or go that way? And I was waiting for, like, the big sign on the freeway that says, my will is this way. You know, who's, who's like that, who just wants it plain and clear? Big, and I'm like, I just need a sign. And then 10 years later, I'm like, it's louder, and I've just been waiting, and I'm going to do this. Tomorrow, thankfully, has turned into today. Jesus said it this way. This, here's what Jesus said about tomorrow. Jesus never told anybody to get saved tomorrow. Jesus never told a wayward Christian, someone who was lost, to get things right tomorrow. Jesus never told us to pray tomorrow. He never told us to forgive, serve, or give tomorrow. You see, you catch my point? Like he came in and said, no, come with me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Those dudes had to drop their fishing nets right then to follow him. Like Jesus was about like more like Myra is, so she may be more holy or spiritual than me. Maybe that's what I'm, the revelation this morning. She's like, no, we're, right now, we're going to do this right now. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, right now, I, I want your attention. Like, right now, I want you to claim that we're in better days. I believe if we had hope dealers on every corner in Portland, I believe if we had hope dealers on every corner in Washington, D.C., like yesterday, and we said, no, right now, we're going to praise God. Right now, I'm going to bring grace and love. Christ gave us the power to choose better days. This is the coolest part about the Christian faith. We don't pressure people into it. Like Steve Sharon had the most theologically correct statement I've ever heard this week. He said, he said, we make, us Christians, we make it way too hard for people to join us in this walk. We often give them all these hoops to jump through when literally it's, it's about choosing today. Like, God, you're my God. Christ, I believe you died for me. Like, it's not hard. But each of us get a choice. Like, each of us get a choice. So let's pray. Father, I am so thankful that you sent Christ for us today. Like, you came and he made it so clear. Like, drop what you're doing. Make me first place in your life. Let go of all that bitterness. Let go of the complaining because it's not of me. Like, aren't you done being the CEO of your life in the universe? Let, let Christ rule in your heart. Let Christ have first place in your mind. Let Him rule your marriage, your home, your relationships. Let Him give you truth and grace and love in the workplace. And let him call you to, to love on this community, to be the hope dealers that they are crying out for. Father, we love you. I thank you that a better day is here. 
I thank you that better days arrived when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And then he rose again. He defeated all of that. Father, I believe there is still darkness on this world because of those that don't know you. And much like me and my past walked around with a black hole desiring anything to make me feel better, anything to give me value, anything to just give me hope, and none of it, none of it worked, but you did. Father, for those in the room that have, that have never stepped across that line to say, I trust you, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, I, I pray that you make today that day for them. If that's you, just say these words with me. Christ, I give you all of myself. I am done doing life my way. I've gotten it wrong for too long. Show me how to live with grace and love. Show me how to walk with your son. For those of us that are Christians, I pray that we pick up the grace and love mantle today, put down our arms, like put down our bitterness and complaining and just say, God, I trust you. Show me in your word. Speak to me clearly on what you'd have me do in this day and this time. Father, we claim better days. In Jesus' name, amen.